Hey guys, welcome to another episode of NC Anime. NC here, and today we have a special guest with us today, Stephanie Madoni, who's a voice actor, vocal artist, and songwriter. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing great. Never better. So, uh, tell us about yourself and where they can find you and what you do. Texas-based voice actor, vocalist, singer, and songwriter. I'm also a mentor to um, budding singers, um, mostly children uh, up into uh, teens and college-age singers. Um, I was uh, I teach beginner piano on the side, and I am mainly known for not just my singing of some animation themes. But I'm mostly known for my voice work, um, contributing the voices of Kid, the OG Kid Goku from Dragon Ball and the OG Kid Gohan from Dragon Ball Z, as well as Kid Goku in Dragon Ball GT. I also do some other smaller roles like East Car and maybe Trunks. I'm also the voice of KO in OKKO, OK Let's Be Heroes. Uh, the first eight episodes, as well as the voice of K.O. in the pilot Lakewood Plaza Turbo. There's been other things, but those are the most notable things. Um, and then I do, uh, I write uh, parodies where I change the lyrics to work, you know, to, to, uh, to songs to make them funny and comedic for morning show radio, as well as uh, novelty songs, uh, mostly sang in kids' voices. So it's kind of novelty stuff. So that's kind of what I'm mostly known for. I have a Wikipedia page, an IMDb page, as well as a brand new website, uh, com. I'm also on Instagram, Stephanie, at Stephanie Nadalny, and a new TikTok page, at Steph Nadalny. Okay. Um, and then I've got various YouTube videos of me singing live and things like that, and um, yeah, that's kind of what I'm known for. So we'll just start with that. <laughs> yeah, true. You know, voice acting, what is it like for us being casted as a voice actor? What's the process like? Well, it's, I'm sure it's different for, uh, what was your experience with it? Yeah. My, my personal experience was when I, I actually was singing at a studio. I was laying down vocals with Brave Combo, a polka band out of Denton, Texas, actually a, um, a Grammy award-winning polka band. Um, I was um, hired to sing on a project called Cyborgs, and I sang Battlestar Galactica-type vocals in the background. And at that studio session, I met the producer and director of Dragon Ball Z. I did not know that at the time but um this this man had been recording uh dragon ball z in canada and um recording the data and bringing it back to texas to uh submit for an english dub and when he met me at the studio he said you know you have a very um animated voice um he says have you ever done voice work and i said well i do voices and a mimic and you know, improv and other kinds of things, but I've, I've been doing it for fun. I've been doing it because I, I enjoy it. And, um, as a kid, I did voices and made up my own, um, my own radio shows and recorded 
different voices and, and, and things like that on cassette tapes when I was like 10, 11, 12 years old. And I had done some, some brief work as hell in the hen with Chuck E. Cheese. So I said, yeah, I, you know, I've done, I've done a little bit of it. Um, I, I, like I said, I've mostly been doing it for fun, but I'm mostly known for, uh, for being a singer, singer, mm-hmm. dancer, and actress. And he remembered me, we exchanged information. And when it came time for auditions down here in the uh, Fort Worth, Texas area in 1998, I was called in to come in and audition. So it was kind of mm-hmm. like, it wasn't an open ca- casting call. It was some, you know, I had to, you had to know someone. So that's kind of where it all started. And when I came in to audition, I auditioned for female characters. I knew nothing about anime, knew nothing about the show, knew nothing about any, really any of it. But when I came in for the audition, there were um, pages of scripts um laid out for us you know the people coming into audition to to view and have a look at and rehearse a little bit in our heads or whatever and then when we came in to audition um i would just read for the uh the three directors that were involved in the casting process and while i was at the session um i was asked to also try a little kid voice a little boy uh so threw me off Call, it threw me off guard. I wasn't expecting that, but I was ready being an actress and all that. Uh, I was ready to just give them what, what they may hopefully want. And so I just gave them my rendition of what a little boy would sound like. I did grow up as, you know, with brothers, stepbrothers and a brother and kids and stuff. So I just kind of like used that as a reference and came up with a kid voice that they obviously liked because a week later I got the phone call that I had and cast as the role of Gohan in the Ginyu Saga. And that's kind of where it all began. And from there, it was just me coming in, you know, once a month or once every other month or sometimes more, depending on the deadlines and which episodes they were working on uh, to, you know, to dub in English. So that's kind of how it went for me. And then um, every time I'd come back in, they would just play a reference in my headphones. We would walk into a padded booth. Um, We would see... uh, a TV on the other side of the outside of the booth through a window. And then we would shut the door and have, there'd be a window where we could actually see the director. And, and then the director would give instruction through the headphones. And then we would just go from line to line. Okay. Um, okay. We, we wouldn't be like in a room with all yeah. of the other characters. Yeah. There might be three roll to like yeah. respond to or act. Yeah. To, but it's one at a time. One of you know, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting you bring up that you actually in Texas because yes. Texas, California, and New York are probably one of the three biggest states for voice acting specifically because it's very niche. So yeah. I do know that Texas is one of them and California is another big one. But uh-huh. New York is another one that people often forget. But a lot of times New York has all the shows that has a lot going on too. But... Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, well, and nowadays, especially mm. not just for not just because technology has, you know, yeah. has progressed quickly, um, but because of COVID, um, it's it's even more so that there's all these forums and platforms in which like mm. we're doing right now to record, um, you know, what it, whether it be, you know, interviews, podcasts, um, I can actually audition um, and lay down tracks here at, at my house, and I can also plug in with someone who it needs to direct me, 
and I can use my phone and my computer to open up whatever needs to be done as far as recording goes. I'm, some of the studios mm. still have you come in in person or that may be an option. But for me, most recently, being that there's so many avenues online yeah. to record, as long as you have the, uh, the, the equipment. And I happen to be best friends and um, business partners with an amazing sound engineer who works at a radio station. So Dan Bradford, who's also my bass player in my band, Moonglass, um, helps me with that side of things. And so together we make a good team because okay. he can help record and edit. And at some point he's going to try to teach me how to edit so that I can record my own voiceovers from home during okay. the week, being okay. that I don't have a day job, you know, sure. it's uh, all self-employed, you know, oh, yeah. vocal work, singing in a band, mm -hmm. booking the band and auditioning. So was it been yeah. like, doing uh, some of the video game saga and some of the uh, actual shows. Yeah. Yeah, there were some games I was involved in. Uh, Tenchaiki, Budokai. There were some uh, video games where mm -hmm. Kid Goku and Kid Gohan, uh, you know, we, they needed us to record for the video games. a totally different process. Um, it's similar, but it's a much more fast-paced uh, deal with uh, video games being that they have to just get a lot of different reactions, yeah. a lot of different punches, fight moves, screams, uh, quick lines, uh, like, here we go. And then, uh, you know, do it, you know, or, you know, stuff like that, like, ah, ooh, ah, you know, just reactions. Mm -hmm. um, and then, and for me personally, with, with when I was recording the video games, I would actually mimic the director, um, which is fine. He would give me a line read and I would just mimic, which for me worked, worked great. Other actors are not so much inclined to, to, to do, to do things that way in that fashion. But for me, it's fine. I'm, I, I don't mind mm -hmm. a director giving me a line read and then I can just mimic the timing yeah. and the inflection okay. of that. So yeah. you help by mimicking the inflection and actually the rhythm, the, the basically line that the director is setting up for you, basically. Right. And, and in front of me is a screen. And then now, I mean, back, back in, I say back in the day when I, mm -hmm. you know, 98, 99 through around 2008 was when I did most of my voice work at Funimation, which was bought by Sony and is now called Crunchyroll. Mm -hmm. Um, it was paper scripts, um, analog recording fast forward rewinding um now current day 2022 and even over the past several years since 2009 um the company went to computers and having a computer screen with the script loaded in front of the actor um so there's no more paper there's no need to you know to print out copies and copies and copies of these scripts you know which is a lot of paper a lot of yeah a lot of poor trees you know yeah. had to had to they die can put it into the teleprompter yeah. and you can you know read it from a teleprompter in a way right and then they can just scroll up and mm -hmm. down like we do when we're checking our email or we're scrolling yeah. through our social media it's kind of like that now and it, it it makes it a lot more efficient and being that it's recorded in a different way it's recorded and um it's digital so mm -hmm. it, we can move quickly through the script and sometimes I can do several episodes in like seriously like 
30 minutes or an hour as opposed to three or four hours prior where you have to wait in between lines, fast forward, rewind, slide it into place. And then all of the editing is done later after we leave. So in your case, is it basically, is it per episode that you get a base rate? And then if it takes 30 minutes to record, say all episodes or the, all those parts has to be, how will that work? Yeah. For me with Funimation and, um, now with Crunchyroll, we are paid by the hour. Um, if we're an established actor that's been with the company longer than a year, uh, usually uh, the company will negotiate a minimum so that um, when you are scheduled to do a session, say for an hour, 30 minutes to two hours, you get a minimum of say two hours. If you mm. Once you're established, you know, it's like that started when it was you know, years ago when we were driving to and from the studio in person, some of us lived, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 plus miles away from the studio. So to make the drive to record for 30 minutes to an hour, um, by the time you drive an hour, get there, record, and then drive an hour home, you're, you're looking at three hours. So um, once we were there in a year or two, we, we negotiated the contract and a lot of us established actors went with a two hour minimum. Some people require more than that. I think it's, it's just up to the actor and the company they're working for. I'm not real sure how they do it okay. in New York. Uh, but in LA, yeah. uh, similar process. Cause I, and I know a little bit about that because I was cast as KO in 2000, I think 13 or 14 and, uh, 15 actually, I think, no 14. I can't remember. But when we did that session, well, I did a session with all the other actors in, in person for the first couple yeah. of episodes for Lakewood Plaza Turbo. And that was a really interesting experience because we were all set up in a giant studio and everybody had a microphone and headphones and little cubicles. And we, we, it was really an interesting way to do it because we could respond to each other on the spot. And then they would just, uh, the people behind the board that were recording would just record the whole session and let it run and just, edit later after we left. So that was a really interesting experience to record in that fashion. Um, it was just completely different than what I'd been used to. So it was, it, it was really neat to be able to re- respond and read along the script along with the, the full cast. True. Um, and that was an anime. That was, uh, OKK okay, was uh, my first real large role that I was cast in that was not anime, as in meaning... It wasn't a dub. It wasn't a dub in English. It wasn't from Japan. It was a an American-based show directed by Ian Quarterly, who was a Dragon Ball Z fan and actually tracked me down because he had me in mind for the character of KO. And he's kind of an offshoot spoof Bizarro version of Goku, Kid Goku. So the voice sounded similar, and that was that worked to our advantage because that's exactly what he wanted. So it kind of looks like OK OKKO OK has actually been your main, uh, yeah, Dragon Ball and OKKO OK, has been really big sellers for you in your career. Yeah, those are the most notable, um, especially Kid Goku and Dragon Ball and uh, uh, Kid Gohan through the Super Saiyan Cell Saga as as the as the role of Gohan because. That's a completely different voice that I use to portray 11-year-old uh, 
manly, tough, strong Gohan uh, when he's actually up against a villain. So Gohan finally unleashes this power. And so that voice is very different from Gohan from a couple, two, three years prior to that. Um, so that was, to me, that was almost like a completely different role because I utilized a different set of pipes to produce the sound. And I did a lot of screaming, uh, a lot of very manly, deep, gruff um, dialogue. And so that was, I'm really glad that the director was confident that I could handle that role because it was very, um, it was a difficult one. It was, it was, it required a lot of screaming and uh, um, a lot of pressure on the vocals and um, there were times when I would actually be in physical pain at the end of a session. Unfortunately, uh, the director was able to record all of the really heavy screaming yeah. at the end of the session so that, you know, I didn't have to blow my voice out as we went along. We would just do all the lines and come back and do all the screams at the end of the session. Some sessions were an hour, some were all day. We'd take a break at lunch, drink some water, take a break. And uh, so some of the sessions were full days, like 10 to 5, 10 to 6. So they were kind of grueling, but um, thankfully I had the chops to handle it. I'd been, you know, I was singing every weekend, traveling with a, sh a show band mm -hmm. uh, off and on for 20 years, over 20 years. Um, so I was utilizing my voice singing a lot in live yeah. rock and roll yeah. bands and traveling. So the good thing is I, I didn't ever really lose my voice to the point where I couldn't work or for any length of time, I was able to jump back. And I was very resilient being that I used my voice a lot, mm -hmm. uh, all the time. So I was used to that, but now yeah. there were times when I did have to rest my voice after a, an all day session, uh, mainly after screaming and yelling as super Saiyan Gohan and self saga, <laughs> but I was able to recover. Um, but it was, it was some, I think some of my best work from, okay. from what I can tell based on the feedback from the fans. And for that, I'm very grateful. Okay. Okay. And, uh, what's like, you know, you had to take the day's rest, but also, like, is it, like, vocal people there to actually help you guide your voice if you have, like, a tricky time with the singing and overlapping of the recording sessions? Uh, no, uh, we were on our own. Um, the directors were, like, our peers. Um, some of the, A lot of the directors were actors themselves, voice actors mm -hmm. themselves, that had been there, um, even prior to, to when I was cast, um, uh, they had already, they had actually, Funimation had already recorded some full length movies mm -hmm. of Dragon Ball. They used a different cast, but when uh, Dragon Ball Z was moved from Canada to, you know, down here to Dallas Fort Worth, we were all, the whole show was recast. Mm -hmm. And then that's, that's when I, you know, met my castmates. We would have like a cast party once a year. Company was really small. The cast was like, you know, maybe 30 people, 20, 30 people. So a lot of us with one studio, that's all they could do is record one person at a time, one studio at a time, um, Monday through Friday, business hours. So um, a lot of us would be asked to voice side characters, background characters. Uh, we would do sessions called Walla which means that it's either one person at a time or like we could probably fit three or four people into the booth at once, but it was mm -hmm. pretty crowded, but it wouldn't be for very long. And we would actually record um, 
villagers, background voices, women screaming, children crying, um, spectators at, at like the tournaments. Um, some some of them were like maybe a cab driver yelling out, or you know, a policeman, or some other characters that were in the show that weren't prominent characters that didn't even necessarily have a name. They could be like, you know, um, woman A, woman B, woman C, and we would have different people come in and do each one, or we would all or I would come in like by myself and do some of those voices and change my voice to sound completely different. Okay. So we were asked to do that because we we're already there is the thing. And yeah. we only had a certain amount of people working on the show. And so it made sense for the directors to go ahead and utilize the full two hours, say, you know, to do other voices that might be needed for a particular episode and a particular deadline. So that was really, for me, that was a lot of fun because I was able to challenge myself to produce completely different voices that had, yeah. that didn't sound anything like Gohan didn't sound anything <laughs> like Goku, kid Goku and dragon ball. Um, and actually a funny story that the fans might find interesting is one day when I was recording my lines as Gohan, um, the director at the time there was just curious to see if I could come up with a, 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 a wacky over the top insane voice for the character of East Kai. She's only in six or seven episodes in Dragon Ball Z. They had already kind of decided who they wanted to cover that role. But basically the director said, Hey, while you're here, we're not totally sure we want to use this particular person. Can you try a voice for us? And I gave them this, this wacky, oh, my, it sounds like this. And they loved it. And uh, I was cast as East Kai just on the fly, literally. Like, they, it was just, I happened to be there. So, <laughs> and, and it was fun for me because I got to be this wacky, crazy, insane <laughs> woman character riding on a scooter. Yeah. And, 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 and it was a, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun. She had a really wacky, fun voice. And um, I, w I was always really impressed with this particular company, company and how they insisted that the voices all sound different. Um, that's not necessarily the case in Japan. I know that um, the voice actress for Goku, all ages, Gohan, all ages, and Goten, all ages, is all the same woman in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, they sound very similar, but J uh, Japanese uh, anime directors are fine with that. It's just that that's what kind of makes makes it unique is that Funimation's you know directors insisted that the that the voices all sound completely different, which I think is great because that's oh, yeah. kind of just kind of more of a Western thing. You know, it's kind of a more of a USA kind of America. It's also kind of interesting that you were like the beginning parts of Funimation, so they got you doing the Dragon Ball, and you just, like, took a full swing. I was already there, and, uh, they thought, well, you know, Gohan is Goku's son, so here we got the property of Dragon Ball. Dragon Ball Z recording's been going great, so yeah. they, they picked up that property, and one day I came in to a session, and they said, here, here's Goku from Dragon Ball, and I dove right in, and they just gave me the direction to pitch the voice up higher, more carefree, and then they explained a little backstory about Goku and how he's raised in the woods, and he was very innocent, naive, very comedic. Dragon Ball has a completely different feel. It's more slapstick. It's got a mm -hmm. lot of comedy. Um, so 
thankfully they liked what they heard when I depicted, you know, a, a kid Goku voice. And, and thankfully my acting experience in and out off of this, you know, stage plays, theater, mm-hmm. musical theater. I mean, I've been doing shows since I was a child. So I was able to channel that acting, um, those acting chops to put into the voice behind yet another character. And that was, and he was the lead role in Dragon Ball. So that was a, that was a, a great time. It was a, it was very, a very um, lucrative time for me being that, Mm. you know, I was there a lot being that I was in a lot of those episodes for Dragon Ball. And, you know, what was like the, some of the inside, uh, back behind the scenes of the recording sessions that you thought was kind of interesting with the directors and uh-huh. maybe other stuff you experienced that wasn't necessarily the voice acting, but like the uh, process of making it. Right. Like one thing we did back then was we, um, to save t- for the effort, hmm. you know, for the, in, in order to record it efficiently and quickly, um, there would be no necessarily known. It, it was like we pretty much the director would just have us dive in. Basically, they would just, you know, get the tape ready for wherever my line, say, as Gohan was. And then there would be three imaginary beeps that you hear. Well, actually, it's three beeps that you actually hear in your headphones. And on the fourth imaginary beep is when you actually start to produce the sound. So um, that was how they did it then and they still do now the same company does the three beeps and then you you know record and then if you don't start right away they're recording and then you can just give them two or three lines in a row wild the one that fits the mouth flaps the best gets slid into place in post-production so the difference now is they'll play the scene and point out which character you're voicing and you get to watch the scene in Japanese then they slide it back and then you go back and record it. So that gives you an idea of what, you know, what, what type of uh, situation the character's in. Is it a high stakes? Is the character scared? Is the character laughing? You know, what exactly is going on? So that's something that's changed over the years that I've noticed. Okay. So basically the transition of, you know, the scripts having like, brackets the character's doing this or the character's having this happening to him you're actually seeing it in real time of the actual japanese variation right. and actually seeing the scene being like like animated in a way and you actually right. get to react to accordingly to that right it sets up the the scenes where you visually can see what's going on that mm-hmm. way whenever you know it it gets I say rewound, it's, it's actual di- digital, so it's not really accurate. <laughs> Once they play it, you hear the three three beeps, and the imaginary fourth is when you speak. You have an idea of, of, you have just an idea of what's going on in the scene, so that you can come up with whatever, you know, voice and whatever inflections you think would fit that the best. So that's the only thing that I've noticed is, that has changed, because mm-hmm. I wasn't, I didn't work really on any shows between 2008 well, 2009 and up uh, uh, to about a year ago. And now that I'm back kind of in uh, doing Wallace sessions with the, the, the same company that, that's grown like crazy, um, that's that's the one thing I've noticed that's different as, as far as how it used to be done prior mm-hmm. to 2009 and how it's done now, you know, starting at 2000, 
2021 for me. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it just depends on the director the show, the lines. I mean, you just, you know, I, I mean, I, 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 you just, as you do it, you just naturally get more comfortable Mm -hmm. doing it. So, you know, I'm, I'm not afraid of anything. I'm like, you know, Hey, if you want me to throw, throw something in, you know, I'm, you know, early on, I was kind of, you know, nervous. Like, am I, am I good? Like, do they like my voice? Am I doing a good job? Do they like me as the voice of Gohan? Um, because you can be recast. I mean, if you're not doing mm. a good job or if something goes awry, you know, there's plenty of other people waiting in the wings, you know, chomping at the bit to get cast in a show or get even just to land an audition yeah. at Funimation slash now country crunchy roll. So you need to make sure you're on time and, you know, you behave in a professional manner right. and um, yeah. focus on your lines and, yeah. you know, do your job. And True. if it's not a good fit, if it's not a good fit, you know, you'll get replaced and it's, yeah. it's nothing personal. It's just the director has yeah. create creative rights to move in whichever direction mm-hmm. he or she feels fit to complete the role and to, you know, that's now. just like, how you describe uh, your particular with Ote KO as it's different than uh, Dragon Ball? Yeah, first of all, it's uh, it's uh, not an anime. It's not Japanese anime. It's an American show that was written and produced by writers and producers at Cartoon Network in Los Angeles, California. Um, and also the difference is... We, the cast, record the lines prior to the animation, the visuals. So when I was being directed to produce lines for OKKO, I would just simply be, uh, the scene and the line would just be described by the director. Mm -hmm. And then I would just give them what, what they describe so there's really nothing to see there's nothing to match there's no flaps to match now there was a couple of sessions i did remotely where i was still here i was at a studio down in dallas and they had an isdn connection and i was able to see storyboards where i could see the characters but there was nothing in motion there was nothing filled in there was nothing in color it was just uh scratch drawings by, from the end you know from those that uh, yeah. uh, the artists so it was helpful in the sense that i could see kind of what the character looked like and the facial expressions um but that's the big main difference is completely different studio not anime no dubbing whatsoever because it wasn't done prior at all it was you know it was a brand new show from scratch in in the usa so we would record the voice, they would record the voices, and then the animators would draw and around what was already recorded. Which I believe I think they do at Disney yeah. and some of the other studios. Yeah, um, they typically uh, get the Pixar. voice. They already do the scripts, they go through it, and then right. they have all the audio production already made, and then they uh-huh. try to go back through the different storyboards and scripts to actually frame by frame just to get the motion right. and the uh, 
you know, right. basically giving them the, they're going to say that word. So. Yeah. And then, and what's neat about that is the, the animators can actually utilize the inflections and the, and the mannerisms of the mm. actor at times oh, okay. better match the animate, you know, the, the drawings, the actual art to match the, the voice that's already been recorded. So I imagine that's all very helpful that they have, have it recorded first and they can just animate around it. Cause I know that I'm um, like in Disney, like um, little mermaid, they did that. Um, and Jody Benson was actually, she recorded not just the singing voice, but she actually was one of the few that actually was not just the singing voice, but she was also the spoken voice and, and was cast in the speaking lines as well, which doesn't always, it's not always the case. Cause sometimes they'll find, a studio may find a really great voice for a character, and if it's a musical and they have to sing, that that actor may not be able to sing, and they may have to cast somebody that has a voice that, you know, is either similar but that actor can sing. So, I, I always find it a, a plus when I get to do a role that in, involves singing, and um, I was able to do some of that early on in my career at Funimation. I was cast to sing the opening and closing theme for Kitty Gray, which is another anim really fun anime. Uh, was I did Sayonara Bye Bye for Yu Yu Hakusho. Um, I think it was around the year 2001. Yeah. And I was also uh, called in with Carl Finch of Brave Combo to take what was um, uh, translated from J Japanese lyrics to English. And then Carl and I sat down and, were, and we were able to put together the lyrics in English, but lyrically to make sense as a song. And, and yeah. in that case, I was actually kind of doing some behind the scenes work. Mm -hmm. And then I was actually able to produce and record or direct uh, two or three singers uh, for these themes. And so that was a really oh, okay. unique experience for me. And I would, would not uh, close the door on doing that again, yeah. because I found it to be um, as a singer, um, actually i felt like i could really get the best mm -hmm. out of those singers being that i'm a singer myself okay okay so yeah. what is your experience with like i know like sometimes when the translation process comes over it's slightly a big variation because you have to try to match the original dubbing from the japanese but also bring it to the english version and try to bring a similar feel how does that go about um, yeah, it's like that, that actually is never like part of like that process is done prior to yeah. when us as actors come in to record. Yeah. Um, there's a Japanese, there was a Japanese person that, that would translate, you know, Monday through Friday working there full time. And that was her job. She, she would take the script, you know, the Japanese scripts and translate them into English and then the director or somebody that was going to direct the show would assist in forming the sentences to convey in English what the Japanese mm -hmm. was trying to, you know, evoke or convey. Okay. And so uh, thankfully, you know, that's a whole different ball game. It's like apples and oranges. It's a completely mm -hmm. different yeah. job. So, you know, for me as an actor early on that, uh, that, that process was never True. presented. It was already, already done. So once the script was, you know, complete and printed out, that's what we went with. Now, there were times when the director 
would need to take out a word or two or add a word or two to make it rhythmically match the flaps. Mm. Um, cause it might be like, um, like a, the mouth might move like, like a bop, 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 you know? And so, uh, my, my history with music and being a singer and being into music since I was literally three years old, I was able to utilize my experience as a singer, um, and as a musician to match those rhythmic flaps that, you know, changed rhythms. Mm -hmm. And I found that to be a, a helpful and um, not, not just that, that I'm a singer, but also mm -hmm. a musician that I can, you know, time those, those um, flaps out so that when it came time to record, I would see those and then the, see those flaps move. And then they would keep the, 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 t the tape rolling. And so if I didn't get it right the first time, instantly seeing it and trying it, if it didn't fit, I would give them another line right after and that would be understood. And then when I stopped talking or stopped, you know, they would turn everything off and, and then mm -hmm. rewind. So what we just, what we learned over time was that doing a line wild, what they say by wild, what that means is you, you try the line first just to see if you just happen to, to get it. Sometimes you do. And if the flaps are different, you just give them another one right after. And then if the director feels like, okay, that's too many, you know, I think that line has too many words or there needs to be a pause here mm. at that point, you know, I would have like a pencil and we would write in the changes and then do okay. them right there on the spot. Uh, a few times the director would ask, what do you think, you know, what do you think it would be? And I would come up with something. Um, but most times the director would, you know, it's, it, it was all the director's decision as mm. far as what they ended up going with on. And then another thing we did is there would be an alternate line for lines that or scenes where there was something that was probably going to need to be adapted for TV. Because um, I know Go Gohan, um, there's some scenes where he gets pretty much pummeled, like he just gets like <laughs> annihilated almost yeah. by, I want to say Frieza. And so Cartoon Network has, um, you know, this thing where they don't want to, you know, you don't want to see blood flying out of a little boy's nose it comes across as like child abuse or whatever. So mm -hmm. there were, there were some lines that we had to do alternate lines, ALT, which means you, you say it one way and then you say it another way. One way goes, um, on the unedited, you know, VHS or DVD or whatever was coming out. And then the other one yeah. would be the one they use for Cartoon Network. Which oh, okay. Is much oh. more, uh, it's better for, you know, children. It's, but it's, they, they, yeah. you know, we don't use the word hell. We didn't use the word, um, kill, uh, die. I mean, we, we would use words like defeated, uh, or finished, you know, and things like that. That was just a much more tame, um, yeah. vocabulary. Yeah. Another approach. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. No. Right. Well, like, where was the, okay, where's the particular time you were completely thrown off and you're just like, I don't know how to do this. What do you want me to do? Yeah, yeah, especially early on because this was a new project. This was a mm -hmm. whole different different um, avenue in my career. Yeah. Um, and it was a it was something I had to learn, um, and and become comfortable with, I had to, you know, there was a, a feeling of 
what do these people want from me? Am I going to be doing a good job? It was, it was a foreign um, project. It was a foreign um, method of work. Um, and so I had to follow and listen very carefully to the director. Um, and if I was confused, I would, you know, I, I definitely could ask questions like, okay, how old is this character? What's his backstory? The, the director's you know, would say, okay, so here's, here's Gohan. This is what he, this is how old he is. Um, he's, he's timid. He's scared. He's young. He cries a lot or whatever. And then from there I could, you know, that would be my description as far as acting, but being that it's just, everything has to be done in the voice. So that's a big difference from stage acting, um, singing and performing, dancing on a stage in front of an audience, a completely different thing where you're in a booth and you're recording and everything gets fixed in post. So you're there, you know, you can't use your body. Um, I mean, you can, I mean, you can move in the yeah. booth to produce the sounds, but it's a completely different, different um, method of, of, mm. of work, uh, of acting. It's, it's voice acting alone. So yeah. it's in some ways it's more difficult than stage acting in the sense that you have to encompass everything about that character with just your voice yeah so yeah. It, it but in in some ways it's easier because no one's looking at you so you can you know can show up in whatever you want to wear yeah. or if you're recording from your home you're in your pjs you know or whatever it's like you're not seen so it's, it's so the pressure's off as far as what you look like yeah. or you know because it was when you're acting and you're performing on a stage live you're using your body your yeah. facial expressions and your voice true and then if musical you're singing so it's it's very it's completely different some people find it to be more difficult um and others find it to be okay easy true for different reasons oh yeah and you you yeah. said you you know you, sometimes you do movement what is your go-to movement for certain sounds like you have to do a particular routine to get into that particular noise or that particular sound yeah my go-to's for goku and gohan when they're fighting especially um I can't stand there and and not and be motionless for a lot of the lines, especially the exertions, the kicks, the screams, the um, a lot of the fight fighting mm. motions. You know the yeah, uh, you know I find myself um, looking and at the at the picture of the character, and I find myself acting out what they're doing. Like if they've got their, their, their fists are clenched or they're standing firm or they've got like a very angry look on their face. I find that I can, you know, deliver the line in a much better fashion that matches that when I myself do it. So okay. when I'm watching the, the screen to get ready to, to del deliver a line, I pay attention to what my character is doing. Now, sometimes the, the, your character could be off screen. And so in the script, it says, you know, mouth not shown, or there's like abbreviated instruction in the script that we you learn as you go. And then, it, you mm -hmm. know, it, you pick up on it. Like sometimes you're off screen, sometimes you're on screen. Sometimes your line is half on screen and half off screen. So basically you just deliver the line. And then if it's not right, you give them another one and maybe even a third one. And then they, if it's, if it works, they'll slide it into place. Okay. So okay. for me, my, my go-tos are if, if, if Goku is say like Goku's in a tournament, well, 
if he flies through the air and kicks someone, I, I move my body in a, in a way that would exude that sound, like, yeah, uh, you know, or, you know, okay. I find myself like, say like a, say like a who gets kicked in the stomach. Well, I find myself like, reach, I, I, I actually yeah. reach for my stomach and I, oh, you know, I, I act as if yeah. somebody just punched me. And now, you know, the, the booth is small, but it, it does allow a room for that type, that kind of movement. And some of the yeah. newer um, booths are, are very large. Like you could fit, you know, five or six people in to do the Walla sessions, Foley, or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call that. So there's, there, thankfully there's room. Now, every once in a while, if you go a little too crazy, you know, your arms might fly up and you might hit like, you know, the microphone or you might smack the side of the, of the wall and you have to do it again because you know, that's like, a sound that you don't want you just want the voice yeah. so every once in a while you know you get really into the character and i found that i would even close my eyes like i would i would know what the line is memorize it and deliver the line with my eyes closed because i really wanted to get into the character and really focus hard on the intensity of the line yeah. you know especially cell saga gohan i mean he was just it was very intense and it was um it's power, powerful stuff, you know, and it was just a matter of, you know, pacing myself and they would just go line to line and we would just knock them out. But I found myself finding that I could deliver the line in a better way, in a more intense way, in a more emotional way. If I looked at the line, memorized it, listened to the beeps and then deliver the line with my eyes closed. Okay. okay. That so, way I'm like told, I'm not mm-hmm. looking at, I'm not reading. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? I'm not like mm-hmm. reading. I'm actually becoming that character. In my, in my mind. Have you uh, started watching some of the episodes that in scenes, oh, well, that's me. Mm. Yeah, I don't have a weird reaction like that sometimes. It's definitely, it was definitely a very bizarre, in a good way, um, to actually mm. see Gohan, you know, on Cartoon Network, on the television screen, like actually seeing it as it's airing in front of millions of viewers, it's like the, the feeling and seeing it all put together is, mm. is magical. Cause the, you know, knowing that you're part of the process of it and then seeing it all put together with everybody else's voices, the sound effects, the music, the opening and the closing theme. And um, it's like, it's like re- a very rewarding experience, especially if you feel like you did a really good job. It's like, like, wow. Yeah. I mean, put all together. It's like, the, it's like a puzzle, mm-hmm. you know, and then I'm like one piece of that puzzle. And then to see it, airing on tv or say like you know whenever the vhs tapes came out you could watch them mm-hmm. it was it was uh to see it all put together is just it was magical and it's like a re- very so sometimes experience. on some saturdays or something like if it came on it's like yeah. you know what i have a little time let's watch my uh my work on cartoon network right right and then another thing that i found to be rewarding is the people that voice the other characters that i don't get to really Mm-hmm. hang out with and record with i get to hear them you know doing their doing their best work and doing their amazing oh, voices okay okay like, it's like oh and then of course me as a voice actor and as a mimic <laughs> i find myself you know really noticing the talent that some of these people have and what they, the, the the you know the um being a voice actor and being a mimic i can really you know uh, not necessarily critique, but you know, have an opinion about astonish, the voices and then find myself the like, wow, kind of thing. Like Sean Schimmel does Goku, but uh, adult Goku, but he also does King Kai. What well, are two completely different voices? And that's why 
the, the fans and people like you and when we're doing this, you know, yeah. a lot of my fans and, and a lot of the viewers don't realize that I did the voice of East Kai or Baby Trunks mm-hmm. or some of the smaller roles because it's just, you know, they're small roles and they just might not know. So it's 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 fun to hear the other vo- the other voice actors that I know and that I've met over the years and that I do Comic Cons with and do appearances with, hearing them do their their role in a mm. scene with me is just it's you know I find that to be really really cool. <laughs> so. So, so yeah, what is your hit the mic story that just like you had just had to redo everything and it was just a mess. I had a couple. Um, the one that really stands out for me, uh, and I tell this story when I get asked at some of my panels and question answer panels at some of the Comic Cons. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the funniest moments for me was uh, basically there may be a scene where you react, it's, the director says react to picture. Basically, that means that they let the, they let the, the visual run and then your character's in that scene. And then you literally just follow what the character's doing. And in this particular case, Goku running up and down a mountain or he's training or he's running, 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 and then jumping in the water, things like that. That's like a react to picture moment. And so for me, one of the funniest moments, and it obviously had to be redone was (laughs) when Goku was just, you know, running for, you know, a, a long time, like, you know, maybe not, a full mm-hmm. minute, but like a long time where basically I would just watch him on the screen and then react accordingly. Even if it was like right behind what was actually happening, everything could be moved to fit. So a lot of the, the ones and the ones I'm thinking of in particular are when he's running, he's either chasing somebody he's training or he's running. I mean, the one I'm thinking of now is the one where he's, uh, he's running with Yajirobe, which is a character, depicted by Mike McFarland and so he w- he was actually the director for this particular scene and he said okay react to picture so he would play that they would play the 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 the, uh, the just the visual and there's Goku right on and off screen uh, running so I would be you know running like <laughs> and then you know a lot of breaths and stuff <laughs> well <laughs> I got so into it and I kept reacting to picture that he was running 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 Boom, he jumps into the water, and then me reacting to picture made the sound effect of me, <laughs> of the water splashing. And I didn't even realize I was doing it until it happened. I was like running, running, running. <laughs> and I actually made the sound of the, the water, and it was hilarious because the director was like, did you just make the sound effect of the water? I said, yes, I'm so sorry. But, of course, they could cut it off, and it was fine. But <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a moment that really caused us all to kind of crack up and well we'll just have to trim that down a little you know and then and then the and the other times were you know if if goku or say gohan just in a fight scene you know you know i would like my arms would fly around and if my eyes were closed i, I might you know my hand might hit the you know the music well, it's just a music stand mm. i call it a music stand because that's where we would put the script yeah. with paper and that or if you go from a a page to the next there's that noise of the paper that you're moving so you have to learn to mm-hmm. like turn the page then deliver the line and then they can move it but if, if you speak while that's going on they have to we have to do it again let's start over and just do it again you, oh my yeah Ooh, ah. 
Unfortunately, I mean, a lot of the a lot of the directors were voice actors themselves, so they yeah. like were very understanding. It's yeah. like I never really felt like they were rushing me or, yeah. you know, like the pressure to like get something done quickly. Thankfully, um, but but like I said, I once I once I got in the groove, I mean, I knocked it out. I was just very mm-hmm. efficient, especially when I was really focused and allowed myself to not be distracted okay. by other thoughts or other things going on in the room or every once in a while somebody would walk into the you know the room and ask the director a question we'd have to just stop and then we just pick up where we left so what what is like top three other projects other than dragon ball and okay ko that you really liked well you know i did a small project that had to be halted because of covid but there was a i played the the role of deb the mom in the adventures of ryan defrades which is Mm. a a moral-based, Christian-based, faith-based uh, TV show that aired, I think, on American Family Studios. And um, we only ended up doing, I think, like eight episodes. Uh, or maybe it was a little more than that. We had three DVDs that came out, and there were three episodes on each one. So I guess we did about nine or ten episodes. And I was able to portray the voice of Deb the Mom. The show was originally called Deb the Mom, and then it was changed to The Adventures of Ryan DeFratis. But the, the role that I was casting was Deb the Mom, and I actually got that role through my agent. Uh, right now I'm freelance, but at the time I had an agent and I was able to audition and be selected for that. So that was exciting and fun because I got to play. It was the closest uh, voice to my own that I had ever been cast in. So I was actually able to portray a mom, which I'm, I'm unfortunately not a mom. I wanted to be a mom, but I had a mom and I know what some moms sound like. So I was able to channel if I were a mom, how would I sound? And she was now, Ryan, you know that's not the right thing to do. You know, so she was like, you know, a 47-ish year old woman. And so I was able to channel the, the acting, you know, by, as, if, as if I was a mother. So that was a lot of fun. And I also really liked that show because it was very family-friendly and it was geared to children. Who, so everything was clean. It was nice. It was acceptable. It had a good message. Um, it was a feel good thing. You know, there was no weird, you know, there was no cussing. There was no profanity. There was nothing uh, raunchy. It was a very clean, uh, faith-based show that had a really good moral, um, to every story. Um, and sometimes it would even reference uh, Bible verses and things. And so I found that to be really, uh, fulfilling. And I, you know, I grew up in the church. I grew up with, you know, a Christian. And so I felt, I felt like at home and very at ease at those sessions, um, and those sessions actually were recorded in a studio and the director or the writer, a female, she was amazing. She would actually come into the room with me, put on headphones and direct me inside the studio, like inside the big room. And like, she would literally have the script and I would have the script and she would like direct me inside. And so she was right there in front of me. So that was a completely unique way of recording. Um, hmm. But like I said, once I once I did it, and once we got in the studio and did it, uh, you know, went through a few lines, it was comfortable. So, uh, so I enjoyed that. And then another one would probably be, uh, I was recently cast in um, a Croatian video game, and I was able to play a little boy, small roles, just a, a little girl, a little boy, a witch, and a, like a couple of different women that were literally dying. Like it was kind of morbid, but. Um, I, I played like five different roles and thankfully the director was very happy with my performance uh, and the voices, you know, were all different. So that was something 
completely unique. And I did all of that remotely from the house about four, four or five months ago. Um, I don't know the name of that particular show. I could research it if I need to, but the, the, the roles were pretty small. Mm-hmm. And then I was also able to do some roles uh, down in Houston, take the drive uh, in 2002 and 2003 and four. I played the roles of Eve in Parasite Dolls and Faye in Gravion, as well as a few background vo- voices in Hello Kitty. So I was able to do some of those and those were fun too. But I'd like to do, honestly, I'd, I'm ready to do something really big. I'm ready to... I'd, my dream role would be one where I would not just do the voice, but also be the, the, the singing voice, say like in a musical or say something for Disney or P- Pixar. Um, I would have no idea how to get my material to the higher ups. And then a lot of times the, those companies are hiring, you know, already famous actors and actresses that they're, they're voicing characters. So it's, it's I imagine it'd be really hard to get uh, cast in something like that um, without really know, you know knowing hmm. someone or being able to, well, you have uh, a big connection and Funimation, but you know. I don't like to limit myself. But, sure. I mean, but, but I, I mean, I just you know that that's a dream role for me. It's on my bucket list if I could get cast in something like that where I could actually sing. Because my singing is my first passion. That's mm-hmm. what I started with my voice. I, I started singing at you know as young as age two or three, and uh, knew at a young age that that's the pursuit. That's the uh, career I was going to pursue was singing. So voices you know the voice of a work just kind of came later on <laughs> and that's actually what put me on the map more than anything i guess because it's just a more unique mm-hmm. talent i didn't think it was i figured everybody could could do voices and everybody could mimic uh but i guess that's just not the case it's <laughs> a lot more singers out there i think yeah in general would you able to get like uh any records or anything published Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Music, yeah. Well, I did the you know the themes, the yeah, the Kitty Gray opening Mm. and closing, the case closed to. Oh, case closed. Okay. I did that. That's a a lot of the it's a lot of the fans don't realize that, and then my you know the the people that put them on YouTube didn't give me the credit as the singer, but it could be that they didn't even know that I was the singer. So on my website, I'm hoping to. put all the links to all of those things I've done that are featured on YouTube, as well as the, the songs I wrote myself. I wrote one called Halloween rocks and I sang it and produced it and wrote it with Carl Finch and it's called Halloween rocks. It's on YouTube. I have one called kids Christmas that I wrote. Um, very cute, very kid friendly song about, about uh, toys and uh, Santa Claus. And there's a video that my, uh, that Dan put together for me, my business partner. And that's called kids Christmas. That's on YouTube. Um, and then I've, I also, uh, recorded a, uh, an original album with Carl Finch of Brave Combo in Denton, Texas called The Cookies. It was never released. Um, it's amazing stuff. Um, I have permission from Carl to put that, put that album out and up on, you know, on the internet, whether it be CD Baby or, you know, another um, platform that has music and let the fans listen to it or purchase it or however that goes. That's, that's kind of next on the agenda is to get that album put out. It was recorded in 1997 through 1999 prior to me being cast as Gohan. And it's some really amazing stuff. Wow. That's a little bit of time to get that licensed. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I I did get the permission from the writer and, uh, and I also recorded on, I was featured on four of Brave Combo's albums, uh, singing background vocals. Oh, Uh, Combo the process and some other ones 
So, um, yeah, studio musician. I'm a studio musician, so people call me from time to time to come up with uh, original background voices, and they just tell me what they want, and then, then they put me in the studio, and then I listen to the song and come up with what I think sounds good as background vocals, which, you know, I started doing all of that as a child, you know, and growing up in the church, we would sing mm -hmm. hymns, so I was good with, like, harmonies. I, I learned at a very young age, before I even knew what harmony was, how to sing harmony and sing along with the radio and sing different parts and sing in the choir growing up in you know music class. So putting all of that to work in the studio and creating something original is a very fulfilling process for me personally. And it'd be nice to slow down and write my own songs. I've certainly had a lot of life experience to sing about um, good things, bad things, ups and downs. Um, you know, I almost, you know, gave up on life several years ago when things weren't going well and I kind of lost my way. And so Go On is a good platform for me to help those who struggle with uh, human suffering, which we all don't, none of us can escape it. It's, yeah. it's, uh, it's the human condition and how we handle adversity that I think makes us develop, you know, a, whatever our character is. And uh, the decisions we make are, are crucial to... Yeah world and the world around us and the people around us so mm -hmm. um i'm glad that i was cast as this role because it's I've, a, I've been able to kind of find my way and kind of rise from the phoenix from uh, a lot of death and destruction in my family and um a lot of really trying times lost my mother very young uh, right after getting cast cast as gohan my mother passed away at the age of 51 suddenly of cancer and uh, i'm almost that age so to think that my life could <laughs> almost be over at that you know that's a an, un, an untimely sudden loss and uh, it was very hard for me to uh, to bounce back from that. Um, I'm still not the same. I mean, when you lose someone that crucial to your life suddenly like that, you know, it's a it's it's a tough thing. Uh, but it happens all the time, and anything everything can always be worse. So I True. think it's just you know um, how you choose to handle the ups and downs of life says a lot about yourself, and it encourages people to grow. Because okay. um, change, we all change, and we and things happen that we cannot control. And I think that, you know, trying to maintain a sense of, of strength and a, a way to handle adversity is 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 you know some people just give up. And so I'm very grateful that I'm still here because I feel like there's there's a reason for that. Yeah. And uh, we're all kind of walking miracles if we're still alive. You know, any of us could could drop dead or be hit by a truck or, you know, not to be morbid, but I mean, in a sense, those of us that are here, you know, we're, we're all miracles. We're all oh, yeah. a part of something much bigger than ourselves. And, and I, uh, I, I think that, you know, it's a great closing argument for this particular yeah. episode because now we know you represent the characters that you portray, but you also you, as the voice actor, you are that character. Because visually, there is no other representation of that character outside of the voice actor. And you're right. very reminiscent of the fact not only you provide the character, you provide the connection to the fans, but the fans seek you out and see you as the actual like representation of the character in real life. And that's very more difficult as a voice actor because it's your voice. So they put the face to the voice. Right. 
it's bringing a character to life basically. Yeah. yeah. And it's been a, a great experience. And, and it's, it's kind of been the gift that keeps giving because I mean, I'm doing more comic cons now mm-hmm. than I did years and years ago. Um, the characters are iconic and I'm, I'm humbled by it. I, I I'm blown away that people line up and give me money to sign their, you know, a poster or, or a print, or they want my autograph. It's like, it's a, it's been great. It's been a, a, it's, it's really helped me kind of rediscover myself and find that there's other avenues yeah. and that the work I've done that's long been long done is still making a positive impact on people. Um, whether it be a kid watching it, you know, after school or, or on a Saturday morning and then they grow up hearing that voice, you know, they say the voice of my childhood, I hear that all the time. And it's just, it's so fulfilling to, to feel like work that I've already done years and years ago has made such a positive impact and it helped kids of all ages, um, get through hard times, um, whether it be, you know, being bullied at school or being made fun of, or maybe they just need to break away from their parents and dive into a, you know, Dragon Ball Z video game, or they just, it's, it, it can be a very healthy escape yeah. for, Mm-hmm. for kids and of all ages. And then a lot of my fans are older than 30 now. Um, and they're watching the show again with their friends or their kids. Um, so it, it's really nice to get into the trenches of these comic cons and get face to face with the fans and hear the feedback as to how they got into the show and how they're watching it again. And they're starting over and they're, you know, it's airing on Crunchyroll again. And you know, Oh, Dragon Ball, we're going to start over and watch it again. Watch it with my kids this time. You know, it's, it's really neat to, to hear that feedback and to hear them tell me how my work years ago helped them. Mm. Um, that's another newfound purpose for myself. Mm. That's, that's just, that's awesome. I mean, that makes me feel so good. Yeah. It feels like I've done some good things in life and it's a good way <laughs> to give back, you yeah. know? Yeah. Take pictures with them, hold their babies, give them hugs. You know, COVID made that impossible there for a while, but here we are, we're still here and it's uh it's very fulfilling for me to get out into the in front of the fans at the comic book stores and the conventions, meet the other vendors and artists and um yeah, I've just got like a whole Comic-Con family now. I just I mm-hmm. see some of the same actors. I see we do panels together. We uh, we hang out together. Sometimes we all go out to dinner after the convention. I mean, for me that's that's the best part is is actually mingling and you know, spending time face to face with other people, other actors, other convention chairs, vendors, um, volunteers. Uh, I give a lot of my autographs free to people who come out and volunteer and um, uh, fundraisers where people need, you know, things to sell to, to raise money for good causes. Um, that's been something I've also been involved with. That's very fulfilling. Oh, wow. Uh, that's yeah. a pretty much, uh, you know, Stephanie being the voice actor she is and her career. In a nutshell, and then some. I really appreciate you coming on. Thanks uh, for having me. Where can they find you again? And then, yeah, yes. Um, we we where you can find me first and foremost is www.stephanienadolny.com. S t e p h a n i e n a d o l n y dot com. I have an Instagram that is at Stephanie Nadolny. I have a new TikTok that's been lots of fun. That is at Steph Nadolny. I also can be reached at stephaniefanmail at gmail.com if you have questions or you um, Mm -hmm. want an autograph through the mail or you want a shout out or a video or something for somebody special. You can holler at me that way directly or you can go to cameo.com, request me on cameo, 
let me know what you want, what you need. We'll knock that out. And then I also am featured on Color World Live. That's a deal where you can purchase a hangout or a special shout out to someone special. Um, and then um, there's a new one called Memo that I'm going to be involved with soon, M-E-M-M-O. Um, I should have a profile set up for that in the next week or two. And okay. um, I also post where I'm going to be appearing at Comic-Cons on my website. Uh, my band Moonglass is at uh, Facebook Moonglass Band. It's a quartet of uh, singers and musicians that we've been together working off and on together since 2000 and 2001. Um, we were the high rollers at the Windstar Casino, the senior breakfast band. There's some YouTube videos out there for, uh, under Windstar, Stephanie Nadalny on YouTube. And I'm going to hopefully get a YouTube channel started soon. I might be doing some blogs and some um, videos um, and things like that, that uh, where I can interact with fans and um, produce some fun stuff. And hopefully I'll slow down, write some songs, and, and cut an album. That's another thing I'm looking forward to doing. And that's uh, Stephanie with us today. Do not forget that you can follow us MC Anime Podcast on Twitter at, at Mason Kalan on Twitter, uh, Facebook at Blog MC Anime, Instagram. Uh, you can find us on all major platforms Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, or Heart Radio. And please don't forget to support us on Patreon at Blog MC Anime. We have the, all the MC Anime, MC Animator tiers, exclusive content, sharing, polls suggestions all the nine yards thank you for having us it was a blast having you thank you so much go kustas thanks for having me and go on too and of course super saiyan go on (laughs) (laughs) all right guys this is a nice episode hope you enjoy it and enjoy it